Hello and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. The BCL has returned in 2020 and it is crazier than ever. After the holiday break, there were a lot of upsets this week. Joining me to talk about all the action is David Hein over in Germany. Dave, I know you subscribe to the theory that chaos is the best possible thing in the regular season. Uh, so what, what did you think of game day 10? Oh, we almost got to total chaos in group D. Uh, but uh, but Dijon didn't want to. Uh, Dijon doesn't like me. So that's okay. But otherwise, you know, it's still fun. We still don't have a team in the uh, in the uh, in the playoffs yet. Uh Tenerife missed a chance to get that done, um, but um, something tells me next week we might have our first teams uh, in our in the uh, in the uh, in the playoffs. But a fun week, fun week for sure. Yeah, it was a great week. Only four regular season games remain following this week, uh, but there was a lot of good action uh, in game day 10, so we're going to break that all down for you. Joining us on this week's episode is Ferran Basas, the great point guard from San Pablo Burgos. Basas won the BCL title with Tenerife. He spent a few years there and now is playing for Borgos in Group B. Uh, Dave interviewed Basas for about a half hour on a variety of different topics from the great tradition of Spanish point guards to winning the BCL title and Borgos's hopes and goals in the BCL this season. So stay tuned for that coming up later on the show. Make sure you go to the official website, championsleague.basketball, download the official Champions League app, and follow us on Twitter at BasketballCL. On the website right now, there's a lot of great stuff, including an article by Dave about the Cuban influence in the BCL, which is pretty interesting. Uh, there are actually four Cubans playing in the Basketball Champions League this season. Howard St. Ruse at Ike, Jorman Polos Bortolo at Bonn, Yaziel Rivero at Burgos, and Javier Justiz from Zaragoza. Uh, Dave, what, what was interesting to you about the, uh, the Cuban effect in the BCL? Uh, you know, people who, who have followed me, um, in my non BCL writing know that I have a very international, um, tone to basically everything, uh, I do. I cover a lot of youth basketball, international youth basketball. And so I always try to like find, uh, interesting international angles. And, uh, obviously people know St. Ruse now for a couple of years. And, um, and also since I live here in Germany, um, I know uh, Polas Bartolo as well, and then uh, you know noticed that the uh, noticed that Hustis and also um, Rivera were both in the league too, and then also there was the cool dynamic of actually all four of those being in two groups, so they would face each other twice, and just thought that would be you know really cool to you know ask them about that and talk about what it you know. The the idea of the story um, is whether or not you know uh, San Ruz and 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 Bolas Bartolo um, are kind of pioneers um, as far as uh, giving you know giving a giving a, a wider audience to Cuban uh, for Cuban basketball you know sort of blazing a trail that that more clubs whatever kind of may, maybe you know, have, uh, you know, say, okay, well, we've had a couple of Cubans now who've, who've done a good job. Let's look at the next couple of Cubans and, and both Eustis and, and, and Rivera have, have done really well for the Cuban national team over the last couple of years. 
and so I just kind of put it all together was and uh, and talked to all four and um yeah go over check it out it's uh it's a fun piece uh and and uh enjoyed putting that one together and also just you know uh, if nothing else just go on and check out the cool graphic at the top of the article i i, I didn't do it i can't take credit uh uh I, I wish i wish actually i had the name of the of the guy uh that put it together because it's really cool yeah so go read that article on championsleague.basketball it's really interesting and unfortunately, we have to mention this before we yep. carry on with the show, but one of those Cubans, Howard St. Ruse, the man who Dave and I both picked as the Basketball Champions League MVP at this point of the season, he is reportedly on the move and potentially leaving Ike to sign with Seska Moscow. Uh, it is not official yet, but the reports are out there, and it seems like that's going to be happening. Uh, Dave, this is a huge loss for Ike. Yeah, huge loss for Ike, huge loss for the entire BCL, you know, really, to be honest as well. Um, you know, losing your MVP, you know, say MVP candidate goes down for an injury, is out for the season, you know, you can kind of think of this – in that sort of uh, in that sort of regard, um, you know, you mentioned uh, it's not one hundred percent official, but you know, everybody at the time of the recording, but everybody who's reporting it, uh, every you know, all the outlets are, you know, very very reliable. So um, yeah, uh, you know, in our group, you know, Deacon, uh, you know, mentioned, you know, let's see what what Ike does now. You know that you know uh, you know there was probably a decent chunk of change that was that was uh, you know that changed hands. You know what what Ike does with that money. You know there's you know, there's there's thousands uh, you know tens of thousands of players out there. Okay, not at the caliber of a BCL MVP, uh, but you know they they just brought in Jare Grant. Um, and, you know, you know, now you see Kendrick Ray, you know, playing a bigger role. So, you know, obviously, you know, that's, it's going to be a huge loss, but now, you know, now this adds a new dynamic, you know, now, you know, we both picked Ike to, to reach the final four, you know, does this, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of that impact does this move have? Uh, what, what were your thoughts when you saw it, when you heard about it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's going to have a huge impact on Ike uh, because Saint Rouge just does everything for that team uh, in terms of, you know, he's a, a a wing player who can score, but he also brings the ball up a lot this year, playing some point guard. He'll defend the other team's best player. We saw him play the full 40 minutes in both games against Happel Jerusalem uh, out, out there to shut down guys like James Feldeen and Jacobin Brown and while Ike have some other guys who can step up and, and I think cover for him offensively, you know, Keith Langford's an amazing scorer. Kendrick Ray, you mentioned, can get some buckets. Jonas Matrulis is, is a good offensive option for them. Uh, none of those guys have the defensive ability of Saint Rue. So, yeah, like you said, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in as a replacement if this deal does go through, uh, which it looks like it will. Uh, but yeah, depending on who they, they bring in, you know, maybe they're still a, a title contender and a final four contender. Uh, but this, this is a big loss for sure. So that's a, that's a big blow for Ike. We'll talk about that a little bit more as the regular season progresses and how they develop, uh, without Saint Ruse. But on to some happier news. Uh, let's get to the game day 10 team of the week. Leading it off, 
is Adam Smith for Pauk. He makes the team of the week again after dropping 18 points in a win over Neptunus. Rashid Suleiman from Dijon is on the team of the week. He helped them get a win on the road at Brindisi with 23 points. Mikhail McIntosh for Ostend had a big performance, 27 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists as they upset Dinamo Sassari. Usman Drame from Poortez, 14 points and an incredible 17 rebounds. And the MVP this week, Tayshaun Thomas from Hapoel Jerusalem, 23 points, 100% shooting from the field, 10 of 10 and 6 rebounds. Dave, uh, what were your thoughts on the team of the week? My man, taking MVP. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you got to love that that 10 of 10. You know, Adam Smith, maybe? Um, you could argue, um, could, uh, maybe have been, uh, left off this team. And, and, and I think that, you know, Detman might've been somebody that you could have put in Justin Detman, uh, you know, 25 points, four rebounds, five assists in the, in the big poor, uh, Poe win over Anvil. Uh, do you have a guy? Yeah, I think Denman's the obvious one who, who probably should have been in, in there because that's a big win for them. Uh, but they went with Drame, I guess. Uh, so, you know, usually they don't go with two guys from the same team. Also, I, I thought a couple Zaragoza guys, DJ Seeley and Nicolas Brusino, had pretty compelling cases as well. Uh, both of those guys were, were instrumental. Kyle Wilcher as well uh, had 27 and four rebounds. So Yeah, so some good candidates who were left off the team of the week, uh, but... Yeah, they they get shout outs here. That's almost as good. Yes, that's better. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the group by group breakdowns. We'll start it off with group A. Looking for a shot, but he gives it up to Djordjevic. Throws it up off the glass. Dave, I want to start with group A with Ostend's. Upset victory over Sasari, 88-82. Sasari were the group leaders entering this week. They were ranked third in Igor Djurkovic's power rankings. And in the first meeting, they beat Ostend by 19 points. So for Ostend to beat a top team like Sasari, you need guys to step up and elevate their games to new levels. And that's what Ostend got from Mikhail McIntosh and the veteran Dusan Djordjevic. In the first meeting, McIntosh only had three points versus Sassari, and in five BCL games, his season high was 15, but he had 27 in this game. 18 of those were in the first half. He hit a couple three-pointers that forced Sassari to respect his outside shot, opened up some driving lanes so he could get to the rim. He made a nice mid-range pull-up, and then he started feeding his teammates. And then you look at Djordjevic. He had only made two three-pointers in his first nine BCL games this season, but against Sasari in this game, he hit three threes in the third quarter alone, including a lucky bank shot at the end of the shot clock buzzer uh, that came at a, at a really key time for Ostend as Sasari were hitting a lot of shots. Dwayne Evans was putting together a monster performance. Um, and in the end, Ostend were able to hold on to get the victory, uh, despite 30 points from Evans in the loss. Jean-Marc Wimma hit a couple big threes uh, for Ostend. 
Dave, what did you think about the Belgian club getting this win and getting themselves right back in the playoff picture in Group A? Yeah, I mean, a huge win for them. Uh, obviously, on the home court, it's it's easier. Um, you know, Sassari. Okay, you kind of look at when you when you when you start breaking down games. Okay, where did things go wrong? Yeah, thirty six thirty six percent three pointers ain't you know isn't horrible. Uh, Sixteen of tw- of twenty three free throws you know isn't also that bad. You know, sixty nine percent ain't great, but it's only seven free throws. Um, you know, forty percent threes for uh, for Austin. You know, they just made more threes. Um, and 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 really, I think even more impressive was you know Siobhan Thompson didn't they didn't get anything from him. You know, he had five points and four fouls in eight minutes on on the court. But a huge contribution by the 20, 20 year old. Um, you know, you know a lot of young guys that we that on that team. You know, Silla and and Funda first, but you know, one guy that we haven't really talked about at all uh, was uh, uh, Servas Boychart. Uh, he had eight points, four of four uh, on four of four shooting. He had only scored eight points uh, in the first eight games of the season uh, for him. So huge contribution, uh, getting those points off the bench for, for, for Austin. Uh, and, and also, you know, um, nine points was the biggest lead. Um, so they, they never really, um, you know, they never really, uh, were able to pull away, but they also never let, uh, you know, society also, you know, you know, take control of the game and, uh, and we're able to, to withstand, uh, you know, kind of a veteran team as well. So, you know, really just, uh, a lot of good things in this, in this win for Ostend. Yeah. Really impressive performance by them. And I think if you're Sasari, uh, you know, obviously you never want to lose, but I think they can, you know, they can live with this one. I think if you told them before the game that Siobhan Thompson was only going to score five points, they would probably think that they win that game. But you mentioned Ostend shot 40% from the three-point line. They made 12 out of 30 three-pointers. They actually rank last in the BCL in both three-point percentage. Usually they shoot 27%, and they are last in made threes at 5.8. So the scouting report has oh, let them shoot. And, uh, and so Sasari, you know, they, they hit six more threes than they usually do. That, uh, that's not going to happen too often. So I think Sasari can probably live with this loss. They are now in a three way tie at the top of group A with Manresa and Turk Telecom. So looking elsewhere in this group, Manresa with a big win over Strasbourg, 92 to 68. Turk Telecom also won at home, beating Lead Cabellus 92 to 83, and Halone beat Tarun 99 to 86. Dave, any other thoughts on Group A? Um, <laughs> Tarun giving up 99 points. Have we heard that before? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Turk Telecom seven turnovers. You, know, you gotta, you gotta really respect that. Um, and, and from Manresa, um, yeah, uh, David Kravish eight assists for the big man had had fifteen assists total in the first six games. Also, just uh, eight turnovers. Uh, so you know, two teams both scoring ninety two points and 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 only seven and eight turnovers. You know, you take care of the ball, you'll, you know, usually you can win games. All right, moving on to Group B. Let's start this one off with Antwerp, another Belgium club with an upset win at home. They took down Ike 73 to 61. Entering this game, Ike were on 
a 10-game winning streak. They were ranked number two in Igor's power rankings on the website. Antwerp all the way down at the bottom at 28th, but they ended up with a 12-point win in this one, avenging their earlier loss by 12 points against Ike when they only scored 51 points earlier in the season. For Antwerp, balanced scoring effort across the board. Uh, free throws were a huge factor in this game. They made 20 out of 26 at the free throw line, while Ike only made 12 of 24 for 50%. So that was a big factor in this one. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on the other Belgian club getting a win? Uh, you know, Ike struggled uh, with the low post uh, from from Antwerp. You know, you look at uh, the rebounding, 47-37, uh, 13 to 4 second chance points, 30 to uh, 16 points in the paint. Uh, you know, Fan Wine, uh, Falfae, um, who another great game, uh, Dzitsky. You know, these guys, uh, you know, and, and I mean, you know, just look at the, they scored, uh, Antwerp scored 32 points in the first 11 minutes. Think about that. You know, this is against an Ike team that, you know, we've been talking about them as, as one of the best uh, defensive teams in the league. And they give up 32 in the first 11 and a half minutes. Uh, you mentioned the free throws, Mario Chalmers, uh, seven of 13. Um, and, you know, you just kept seeing him miss free throws. Yelankford was kind of his usual self, not, not actually not hitting a lot of shots. You know, he and, he and Ray combined to hit just 37%. Um, and to be honest, it was really weird not seeing, uh, St. Ruiz play well. Um, you know, he only scored five points. Uh, on two of eight shooting, one assist, four turnovers. I think he had, he had some, some, some insane, uh, 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 assist turnover of probably six, you know, five and a half, six, uh, assists per turnover. And here he goes one of, uh, one assist, four turnovers. You kind of wonder maybe, you know, was the, was the move, you know, uh, you know, already in, you know, kind of acting up in his head and whatever, but, um, yeah, that, you know, you have to, and and when one one other note, you know, Antwerp, you know, they didn't have Victor Sanders, you know, it was obviously a big part of their uh, of their of their team. So, uh, huge victory for Antwerp to keep in in the race for the playoffs. You know, it's not it's not going to look easy. Uh, you know, there was only four games left, and they can only get to seven and seven. Uh, but you know, the chances are still alive, and you know, Ike now, you know, we talked about it at the beginning. We're going to see what uh, what's going to come of it now. Yeah, an uncharacteristic performance from Ike. They are now tied with Hapoel Jerusalem at the top of this group at 7-3. and three. Jerusalem picked up an important win on the road, beating Rastafecta 83-74. to 74. Burgos beat Bandirma 92-84 to 84 in another very important game for the playoff picture. And Poe Ortez, uh, with what I think we can consider an upset win, over Anvil, they beat them 85-77. to 77. We mentioned Justin Dentman uh, was great in that game. And Anvil, they were on a six-game winning streak coming into this game in all competitions. They scored over 100 points in four of those games. Poe Ortez held them to 77. So great defensive performance there. Uh, Dave, any other thoughts on Group B? You know, that, that Fechta-Jerusalem game uh, lived up to it. Um, you know, big plays on from both sides. You know, this, these are two good teams. You know, Fechta at five and five. You know, that's a, that's a tough group. Um, 
and you know, uh, fetch this holding their own. And, and, uh, this is a, a group, you know, uh, that has a lot of different styles, uh, you know, uh, um, spoiler alert. We talk about that, uh, in the interview with, uh, with Ferran, Ferran Basas. Uh, but that game was, 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 uh, was definitely, uh, you know, lived up to my expectations of, a of, 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 uh, of, a t- of two teams that, uh, could go pretty far. You know, I know we haven't really talked a lot about Fechtem maybe making a final four. Uh, but you know, the, it's, it's a, it's a rock solid team as we've seen all year. Yeah, and they shoot a ton of threes, and they shoot them at a high percentage. So if if they get hot in a in a you know three game playoff series, they could knock off anybody. Bamberg, Cameron Taylor, he goes right inside for the throwdown. Big time move by a big time player. All right, moving on to Group C. Dave, let's start this one off in your home country there of Germany with Bomberg beating Gaziantep 86-81. to I think rebounding was the story in this one. 18 offensive rebounds for Bomberg uh, compared to just 24 defensive rebounds for Gaziantep. Cameron Taylor had a big game, 15 points, 5 assists. And Bomberg suddenly uh, looking a lot better in terms of their playoff hopes with Peristeri also losing this week. Bomberg are now 5-5 five and five and just one game behind Nizhny and Peristeri, who both lost in game day 10. Uh, David, it seems like things are looking a little bit rosier for the German club now. Yeah, I mean... Uh... A little rosier, yeah, uh, but you know that Nizhny loss was also a surprise. Them losing to Mornar, uh, Peristeri getting blown out at home. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're out of the woods yet. Not even, you know, they're 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 still kind of struggling in the German league as well. You know, this is a team that's still trying to figure out exactly who they are, what they do. You know, Darian Atkins now has come in. And, uh, and you mentioned the rebounding, those offensive rebounds, they turned 18 offensive rebounds into 17 second chance points. And you, you saw it all game. They were just like, you know, grabbing the offensive re- rebound and putting it back in. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Gaziantep, they shot 53% for the game, which is, you know, pretty solid. Uh, uh, but you know, the, you know, it was, um, Bamberg got 18 offensive rebounds and only turned the ball over eight times. Uh, you know, so, you know, if you do that, you're going to win a lot of games as well. So, uh, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, they're not out of the woods, but it's definitely the, the losses by Nizhny and Paris Derry definitely helped. Yeah. Bomberg took 20 more shots in this game than Gaziantep, 77 field goal attempts to 57. Uh, so yeah, that's going to make a big difference in what was eventually a five point game elsewhere in this group. You mentioned Mornar with a surprising 87-66 victory over Nizhny. Mornar were ranked 30th in Igor's power rankings entering this week. Nizhny were top 10, and Nizhny beat Mornar by 20 in their first game earlier in this year. So a, a shocking win for Mornar as they improve. Mornar, Mornar with the 21-point win now has the tie differential, exactly. the tiebreaker. And they improved to three <laughs> and seven. So I guess in, in theory, they could win four straight uh, to close out the season and maybe make it in at seven and seven. Uh, Nimberg with a, another big win over Riga, 75 to 56. And Tenerife 
stomped Peristeri on the road, 80 to 54. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts on the rest of Group C, which was just a, a whole lot of blowouts? Yeah, uh, and the surprises, uh, you know, with the two. But you know, I'm just one, just one. How ugly that that Nizhny loss was. Um, you know, they 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 out rebounded Mornar, lots of offensive rebounds, and also you know a lot more second chance points. But just some really ugly <laughs> ugly numbers. Um, three of twenty six threes, that's eleven percent, and thirteen of twenty seven free throws, that's forty eight percent. And uh, probably the biggest culprit the day he probably wants to forget, Brandon Brown, one of 17 shooting, 0 of 8 on 3. So just a really ugly shooting night uh, for, for Nisney. Vasquez has it. Shot clock winding down. It's going to have to be Vasquez. No. Casino puts it up. Oh, he banks it in. Unbelievable. Only a player like Casino can make a shot like that. All right, and the last group, Group D, let's start it off with Zaragoza beating Falco Zambate 77-70 to on the road in Hungary. Falco were 4-0 and at home entering this game. Zaragoza just 1-3 and on the road. But DJ Seeley started out on fire for Zaragoza. He had nine points in the first five minutes, 15 in the first quarter. He only finished with 18, but he did a, a lot of damage early in the game and then uh, did a great job passing the ball as the game progressed and he drew more attention. Zoltan Pearl was keeping Falco in the game. Uh, him and Benedict Verratti had really good performances. And in the third quarter, Falco were leading 55-50, to 50, but Zaragoza closed the quarter on an 11-0 run. Robin Benzing hit a three, and then Nicolas Brusino took over. He hit two three-pointers hit a couple free throws, and then in the fourth quarter, Brusino added a couple more uh, three-pointers, including a crazy one-leg bank three-pointer to beat the shot clock buzzer. Uh, Falco trailed by 11 in the fourth quarter. They were able to cut that lead to two points with about two minutes left until Brusino hit that bank shot, and uh, he also had a dunk to seal the win. Uh, Dave, We've talked about Zaragoza as a team that's doing great in the ACB, but struggling in the BCL. Uh, this seems like a, a, a really positive win for them, and uh, they, they look a little more safe as we get into this chaotic Group D playoff picture. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brusino, just to get back to him really quick, you know, he ended with 19. He scored 16 of those points in the last 12 minutes uh, of the game uh, with four three-pointers. Um. You know, this, uh, they had 20 turnovers, which they can't be happy about. Um, they did shoot uh, 44%, which is pretty solid from threes. But there's, I, I think they're still trying to figure out, you know, this, this Allison, um, uh, Dylan Ennis dynamic. Um, you know, Ennis was in there and kind of, you know, doing crazy things. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, early in the fourth quarter, if I can't, if I, if I, if I remember correctly, and then Althan comes in and it just seems, it just, the, 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 the game just seems quieter and calmer when he's in there, uh, when, when Althan's in there. And, and, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I continue to watch, um, and try to figure out what it means, um, and, and, and for their chances, uh, long term. Um, but, you know, uh, it's a big win for them to win it at a place that, you know, nobody had been able to win uh, until now in, in Simbati. So, 
um, you know, big win for them. And, and, uh, yeah, Brasino, you know, you know, you, I know how much you, uh, in love, how much you, you love, uh, his consistency. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this was, this was, uh, one of the good ones. Yeah. Brusino is, uh, I, I think he's one of the most frustrating players in the league because he's super talented. He can have performances like this where he scores 16 points in 12 minutes and leads his team to victory. But next week he might have three points on one of five shooting. So we'll see how that goes for Zaragoza, but a big win nonetheless as they move to six and four. Falco dropped to five and five with the loss. Elsewhere in Group D, Pauk with an 86 to 80 win on the road at Neptunis. That was very important for them. Besiktas with a surprise 80 to 76 win over Bonn and Dijon also winning at Brindisi 93 to 88. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts on Group D? Uh, who needs Jordan Theater, James McAdoo, and Coach? Right. Right. I- uh, yeah, I mean, 59% three-point shooting, uh, you know, Akpinar going back uh, and playing against uh, a German team uh, with the dagger floater with 10.8 seconds left. Uh, big, big, big win for, for Besiktas to, to keep in that race. Um, and uh, yeah, Dijon, I'll, I'll, I'll mention later. So uh, I'll leave it with that. All right, time for overtime. Five topics from around the league. First up, stat of the week. I'll start it off, Dave. I'm going with 85%. Jerusalem set a new BCL record by making 85% of their two-point field goals, 22 of 26, as they dominated Rastafecta inside the arc. Uh, What was your stat of the week? I figured you would go with that one. So I went with 18, which was the combined uh, points scored by Peristeri's starters. 18 points. Ouch. The, the bench Oof. scored the bench scored 36. They doubled up the uh the starters. So yeah, 18. Yeah, not great. <laughs> All right. Next up, surprise of the week. A uh, lot of good options in this one. I guess I'll I'll go with Mornar beating Nizhny by 21 after Nizhny beat them by 20 in game day 3. Uh, maybe, maybe this was a game where Nizhny was looking ahead on the calendar a little bit and, uh, not taking Mornar seriously. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe Brandon Brown. Brandon Brown happened. It's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with Mornar as my surprise of the week. Um, yeah, I mean, since I called a Brindisi win, um, I kind of have to say that, it, that that would be – it's not the biggest surprise. Paris Derry getting blown up by 36 at home, I'd probably say is a bigger surprise. But but Brindisi uh, losing at home to Dijon, um, to be honest, I forgot that Kelvin Martin wasn't wasn't playing. Um, I guess uh, he's uh, still out with that thigh injury. Um, but uh, – yeah, Dijon. I mean, sixty-two percent three pointers, thirteen of twenty-one. Uh, that's going to be tough to beat. Uh, yeah, if Martin's there, you know, he slows down Suleiman maybe a little bit more. You know, does this or that because he's obviously such a defensive uh, stalwart. So, uh, but since I said uh, I went bold prediction and said Brindisi would beat Dijon and we'd have chaos in Group D, so I'll say that one. All right, next topic, best performance by a player who was signed during the holiday break uh, over the uh, Christmas and New Year's break for the BCL. I'm going to go with John Holland from Hapoel Jerusalem. 
17 points in just under 31 minutes. He didn't start the game, but he played a lot in that win over Rastafecta. 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 7 from the three-point line. Looks like he's going to fit in pretty well with that Hapwell Jerusalem team. Uh, Dave, what was your best performance by a new signing? I'm going to go Bobby Brown. Um, you know, he uh, had 11 points, two assists. Um, and, and it's actually kind of going to be interesting to see Adam Smith was so was so ball dominant for for Pauk, you know, for basically the whole year, and and now you have a guy that does just that as well now, and and Bobby Brown, so that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Um, and 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 Brown hit the huge three pointer late, um, to to give him to give them the 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 victory, right after fellow new acquisition Shannon Shorter uh, blocked uh, Gustos Masulis at the end of uh, uh, on the one end, and then comes back down and Brown hits the three. So we'll go with Bobby Brown. All right, next topic, prediction we wish we could take back. Uh, I'll leave I'll leave Strasburg for you. I feel like you're probably going to talk about that. Uh, thank, thank you. I'm going to go with uh, with Gaziantep. I don't I can't remember if I actually said they were going to make the playoffs or not when they signed Jason Rich, but I was talking about Gaziantep as a good team that just needed a score and I was excited about them when they signed Jason Rich. Uh, they Looked good, I think, the first game or so that he was back, but now four straight losses for Gaziantep. They are two and eight, and only Vef Riga has a worse record in Group C. So that's the uh, prediction I wish I could take back. Dave, what do you got? Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> but but Strasburg, man, I was going back and looked, and I had them in the final four. Yeah, I think I did too. They they uh, they're they're in a fight now. They're in a fight to even get into the playoffs, um, and you know i I don't have the I don't have the group uh, I don't have the the I don't have the standings in the French Pro A on the top of my head, but I know they're 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 still they haven't made their way up. I think they're in the playoff ranks right now, but I don't think they've made it up to the upper half of that. Um, and I know Vincent Calais is is an institution uh, in that country in that team, uh, but you kind of have to start wondering, you know. Uh, if his job might be in danger. I mean, you know, he underperformed last year. His team, not he, his team underperformed last year with the oldies. Now he's done a little bit of a different uh, setup on this team. You know, we now see Jared Grant gone. Um, so, yeah, that's a bold prediction of them making the Final Four. I think I'm going to – and I had them winning the group, actually, even. I have them winning that group uh, as well. So I, I think I'll take take that one back if I could. All right, and the last topic, bold predictions uh, that will surely go wrong in the future, but we'll make them anyway. Uh, In line with Strasbourg, I'm going to go with Ostend will be the fourth playoff team from Group A. They are currently in fourth place at 5-5. and They are one game ahead of Liedkabelis, Halone, and Strasbourg, who are all at 4-6. and And looking at the schedule for Ostend, they are on the road at Lead Cabela's next week. Then they host Turk Telecom and Manresa. Those are going to be tough. But their last game of the season on the road against Tarun, uh, the worst team in the group. So I think if they can steal one of those games uh, against Turk Telecom or Manresa, we just saw them do it to Sasari. Uh, I, I think, you know, Ostend... I like what I saw from them in that game against Sasari and uh, the other teams I, I have some concerns about. So I'm going to go with Ostend, are the fourth playoff team in Group A. Uh, Dave, what's your bold prediction? 
Uh, that's bold. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's good. chances are good. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Falco Simbate making the playoffs. Um, they're at five and five in that wonderfully uh, open uh, group uh, D uh, ahead of one, two, three, four teams at four and six. Um, and they are at Bond next week. Uh, you know, Bonn is, is still struggling. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's in, it's in Germany, but you know, maybe they could steal that one there. And then they have, uh, they're at home against Besiktas and, and Brindisi and then at Neptunus to close. So, um, yeah, a couple of victories maybe there. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but so I'm going to go bold prediction and the Hungarians make it to the playoffs. All right, so that's it for overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with Ferran Bassas, the point guard from San Pablo Burgos. So stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to preview game day 11 and wrap things up. All right, so on the show this week, we have Ferran Basas from San Pablo Burgos. Uh, Ferran, uh, thanks for taking some time to talk. Thank you. Um, we wanted to talk to you um, after Burgos got a got an important victory over Tekshut uh, Bandirma um, this week. Maybe to start, what were some of the keys to uh, to the win over Bandirma? The the key, the most important key was uh, the defense, the, the the aggressiveness that that we that we um, which we we play in the second half uh, because uh, I think at the the first half we we were playing good in offense but we weren't making uh, making um, the the important the important steps uh, on defense. But we changed our mentality in the second half, and, and that was uh, that was the key. Uh, there's a there's a big fight uh, in that group uh, for the playoffs. Uh, maybe just talk about uh, how important it it was to get that victory. Uh, you know, Banderma was at four and five, uh, trying to move to five hundred and stay in the playoff race in 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 Group B. Maybe just talk about how important that uh, victory was. Uh, to to keep them away from 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 you guys. Yeah, it, it's a it's a very very um, difficult group. Uh, very great teams in our group, and each each game is is a battle. Is a each victory is is very important, and especially this one against against a team who is who is fighting to to pass to the second round. And and yeah, also important win because because it's um, it's against a team who who beat us in the in the first round uh, at their at their home. Uh, so so yeah, it's a a great great step forward for the um, to be in the in the first four of the group and and also because uh, it's a win at home against our fans. Uh, so. Uh, Double, double, double success. Um, there's eight teams in this group, and um, and really, um, 
I mean, you can almost say eight real different styles of play. Um, you know, definitely very many different styles of play. Maybe your, your thoughts about, you know, you're a point guard and you have to figure out how the team will play. Um, how, how, maybe even how much fun it is playing against all of these different styles in this, in this, in this group. It's, it's fun, but at the same time, it's 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 difficult, you know, because, because you have to, you have to adjust. Uh, your game, your defense, uh, depending uh, who who you have uh, in front. Uh, but but we we try to to play always at the same way. Uh, we're always trying to be aggressive, to to run, to to um, to play with with rhythm. And and if we if we make uh, our game, if we if we are able to play like we want. We we have uh, we have more chances to win, but but it's it's right that, that every game is different. Every every team plays uh, on on different style, and you have sometimes adjust, especially on on defense, uh, different things to to make um, to, to to play the game that that, that you want, and to 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 try to to imply your your rhythm. Uh, as a point guard, maybe. What is it like playing with some of the, you know, really athletic players that you play with, you know, guys like, you know, Takoto, Lima, Clark, uh, what's it like uh, as the playmaker with uh, with those guys? Uh, play play with those guys is makes makes my my work easier, you know, you yeah. I I like to 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 pass, I like to assist and with those players who who love to to play over the rim? It, it makes my my work easier, and and I love it. Uh, let's go back a little bit. Uh, you have a younger brother, Paul, who plays basketball as as well. Maybe when when did you start playing basketball? Look, I started uh, uh, so young. I started when I was four or five years old, and and step by step, I. I was improving. I was first, of course, it was like a hobby, uh, something to to have fun. Now, um, when I was eighteen, nineteen, I I realized that that it was gonna be something bigger than that, and and it was like a like a dream to to be a professional. And for my brother, is is almost the same. He's he's. Uh, Every year improving step by step, and let's see if, if he can if he can reach uh, the level of of leagues like Champions League or or ACB. Yeah, uh, I would love it to see him. Yeah, I'm sure it would be fun to be able to play even against him in the in the Champions League. It'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, maybe who 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 are some of your basketball role models? Players who helped you or you looked up to? I I don't have idols. Uh, but but of course, uh, in, as a basketball player, you you look at somebody who who you like how he, how he plays. And in my in my case, I I always looked at Raúl López, uh, uh-huh. very very important point guard in in Spain, and that he he played in the NBA also. And his 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 type of of game. It was a little bit uh, similar of mine. Uh, 
He loved to to run, to to assist, to shot for three, and and also because of the the physical conditions, he's also small player like me. So I was I always looked at him, and it's it's like a, like a model player for uh, me. I, I had the I had the opportunity, I had the chance to to practice with with him this. The summer, he he helped me with some some skills uh, as a as a coach, and and yeah, he's like a good good player to to see. Um, speaking of of him, uh, and you know, you mentioned point guard, and, and and Spain have a just an amazing tradition of 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 point guards. You know, going back eighties, nineties. You know, to long-time NBA players, you know, you said Lopez, Rodriguez, Calderon, you know, Rubio, you know, and so many great ones around yeah. Europe. Why do you think there's so many good Spanish point guards? I don't know, really. I think that the mentality here um, in Spain is based on on controlling the game, on on organ, organized basketball and to be able to play an organized basketball you need a, a good pointer to to help uh, the teammates and and I think that that's a good reason to to have uh, really good pointers and and I think that uh, in the future we will see for sure uh, even even better pointers in Spain. Even better. That, I'm sure the rest of the world are, is not going to be yeah, happy yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Rubio, um, you know, you grew up in the Juventus system and and are really just two years younger than Ricky Rubio. What was it like watching R- Ricky do his thing early on? I mean, you had the front row seat. Uh, what was it like watching Ricky Rubio? It's so fun. So fun to to watch him. He's he's always trying to 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 help their their teammates to make them better and for a point where that's that's really important and he also he also is playing better in in the in the shooting situations so every every year he's a he's a better player it's it's really really uh, really nice to see how how he improves how he develops his his game and it's it's a mirror for for a lot of uh, Spanish players like me, young players that that we want to to, to get better, to improve. And he's, he's he's nice. He's a great great guy too, and and one of the the best players in the in the world for sure. Um, sticking staying with with ten, with uh, Jovan Tut, um, you know, Barcelona is is a, a suburb of Barcelona, just outside. Um, and of course, you know we all know about El Clasico in basketball, Real Madrid against Barcelona. Um, but maybe talk about that rivalry of of Juventud going against Barcelona. <laughs> that that's for me the the, the real rivalry. <laughs> for me, as a as a Juventud uh, player in a, in a former former ages, I I was able to play a lot of games. Of Juventus against Barcelona, and and it was it was it was real, you know. It was uh, very very competitive games, 
I love I love to play that that games and and even I I, I miss it for sure. I I haven't able to to play it in in a professional game. Uh, let's see if, if in the future I I I'm able. Um, you know, you haven't heard obviously so many guys. You know, Rubio, Rudy. Um, you know, and and even it's it's still going. Um, I think the 2000 generation, if I'm not mistaken, I think they had they had six guys on the on the under 18 team last year or two years ago uh, in 2018. Um, what what makes that system there um, so good in Juventus and and really, you know, how it's been able to 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 be so good for so long? Well, uh, first uh, I think the Badalona city is is really important. In, in this because Badalona is is basketball. Uh there is the, the very the very important uh, sport is basketball in the city. So the, the, here is the, the first the very important thing. Then that uh, Badalona Juventus as a as a club is uh they have in, always in mind to 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 improve their players, to to, to work with them, with the young guys. Um, I, I started playing there when I was eight, nine years old, and and I and I can tell you that they they they, they put a lot of a lot of work on there on on practice with them and try to to put to to grow, to to make them grow and and the first team they they always take advantage of that. Uh, if you have young talented players in in your club, you have to use it. You have to put them, put them on the on the team, and and give them minutes. That's the that's the only key to to make them grow. Uh, put them on the court and, and make them play, and that's that's what they do. The, it's also important that the coach believe in this in this in that philosophy. Uh, but in in Juventus, they always try to put a coach who who believes in that, and so. That, that's the the key. Of course, this is a this is a basketball Champions League uh, uh, podcast, and um, I want to uh, bring you back to probably one of your best memories. Uh, you know, the the night back in 2017 when uh, you won the first uh, you and and Ibustar Tenerife won the first uh, BCL title. Uh, what do you remember most about that night? Oof, I. I remember it was it was amazing. It was um, my my first year in Iberostar Tenerife, and and in my first year win win this title was was amazing for for me for all the team for the club especially, and it was also like a like a party for us, uh, uh, celebrating in front of our fans also in, in our in our team. It was crazy, and and for sure is one of my my best memories in the in the league and in my in, in my career. What well, what was it like hosting the final four in front of your home crowd? That was that was great. That was great. The the, the organization was 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 amazing. Was was perfect. Uh, I think that for the for the island for the city of Tenerife it was it was great. The Enjoy, enjoy this this final four, and and it was it was perfect. It was perfect. 
in front of our fans, uh, winning a title was was perfect. Um, obviously, you know, Tenerife won the first title uh, last year. Uh, you guys came so close. Um, you know, Coach Vitoretta, you know, was the first, was there for the first season, left and came back. Um, yeah. What What would you say was the secret of of that? Let's just say that three year stretch of uh, of uh, Tenerife while you while you were there. Well, I think it's, it's uh, a lot of work, a lot of good work of of the of the club, of the team, but also of the coach. He he knows he knows the competition. He he knows how to to win it and. And we we did a great job. We did a great season last last year. We we came short at the end. Uh, I think we we did a good a great season and and a, and a bad game, especially on the on the on the very important game, the most important game. But but at least we we can say that that we are we were regular during three seasons. We were uh, almost. Almost the three in the final four, but um, we can be proud. Uh, we we took a look through your Instagram and we saw some great photos of some animals while you were in Kenya. Uh, some rhinoceros, some mm-hmm. some zebras, some gazelles. Yeah. Uh, what made you do that trip? Uh, do do a trip like that during the summer? Well, I love I love the animals, and uh, me and my girlfriend we love it. Uh, we have a we have a dog. We and but we 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 didn't we didn't say we never said that we were gonna do a trip like that. But that with with uh, with some friends we organized and and for me it was it was a really amazing experience uh, to be able to be uh, close to those amazing animals, elephants, uh, lions. It was it was amazing and and I we we said it uh, at the end of the trip that. So we were gonna repeat it for sure in the future. And um, uh, what did you think of Africa? Did you where, did you go anywhere else? That was obviously, like we said, in in Kenya. What did you uh, What did you think of 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 uh, you know just being on the continent? I would love I would love to to go to Senegal. I have my my friend uh, Petit Niang uh-huh. over there. He always saying, "Come come to visit me in, in, the, in the summer." And I and I have it in my list. And, and I also would like to go to South Africa. They told me it's it's, it's nice too, and those, those two places are in my list. So I will do it for sure in, in the future. I don't know why, when. Uh, probably not this summer, but but in the future for sure. Speaking of Instagram, we uh, on this podcast we like to ask our fans uh, to uh, to you know we give them a chance for for them to ask you questions uh so these are some of uh some of the followers of the of the bcl uh james var seven wants to know the best player you've faced the best player i faced uh probably luka Doncic. he's amazing player uh when he played in real madrid uh we played each other a couple times and and yeah he's the one of the best players in the world. So nothing else I can say. Yeah, he's doing pretty good in the NBA right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Robert Ma 99 says, uh, would you like to meet Tenerife in the coming rounds of the BCL, the, in the uh, playoffs? What do you think about maybe coming up against, uh, uh, Tenerife in the playoffs? Yeah, for sure. I would, I would love it. They're, they're doing a really good season and it would be a tough, uh, battle, but, but yeah, I would like it for sure. Uh, this one, this one sounds like maybe it's a trick question. Uh, Jay Byron thirty three uh, would like to know how much from from one to ten do you miss Petit Nyang and Javier Byron? <laughs> <laughs> I miss I miss them a lot. Uh, ten, ten for sure. Eleven even. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they are really really close friends, and I I love them. Yeah, Jay Byron, uh, thirty-three, also asked, "How many jackets did you buy for the cold winter?" <laughs> Oof, I I can I can count it. It's a, a lot of a lot of them. Uh, I I had to change from from the from the sun to the to the winter winter, and and it's tough. But yeah, it's different different city, different different style of life, and. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of jackets now. <laughs> um, Rusio underscore Sean, um, do you remember one specific memory moment um, of the fans at Burgos? You know, just uh, you know, watching watching from afar. It seems like uh, it's a great environment there uh, in Burgos. Uh, any specific memory moment that you remember so far uh, uh, in terms of the fans? Well, as a as a Bruce uh, player, I it's my my first my first year here, but I can say that that yeah, it's, it's amazing and how how the fans uh, cheer for us and and how they how they go to to another to another city to 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 see our games and what a special moment um, it was. I think it was two or three weeks ago when we played in in Vitoria against Vasconia, and I think it was 2,500 uh, fans of Burgos who came uh, and cheered for us. It was it was amazing. We we won even we won the game, and it was it was a great great moment. Yeah, because that's really not that far from Vitoria, Vasconia, right? No, it's like like one hour. One yeah, hour, yeah. and even even when we played in in Madrid, it came uh, like almost two thousand two, and yeah, they are they are they are great. Uh, Rubenier Mandiath um, asked, uh, "What are the arenas with the best atmosphere in the BCL?" You know, you've obviously played three years. Uh, in this in the league, um, you know, and obviously this group, you know, you have Ike, you have Antwerp that hosted the the, the final four. Anvil uh, has been known for for a great atmosphere. Jerusalem, maybe maybe your the best the arenas with the best atmosphere. Oof, there 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 are a lot of a lot of things with with great atmosphere. Um, I remember uh, in my my first. Uh, my first year, my first uh, games in the in the basketball Champions League. I I remember Avellino Avellino's Arena. Uh-huh. It's it's close. It's a close gym with a lot of people. It was it was tough to to play there. 
and then of course uh, Jerusalem Jerusalem Arena is is also tough. We played last year in the in the quarterfinals against them, and maybe we, I I take those two, but there are a lot of a lot of them playing last last season in the final four in in the Antwerp Arena was was amazing too. Very great great arena and. There are a lot of a lot of arenas with, with great atmosphere. Uh, Burgos had to go through the qualifiers to get to the regular season. You guys beat um, BC Kiev, uh, really a big home victory in the second leg. Um, this is the first season for the club playing internationally, um, and they were actually in Leb Gold second division in 2016-17. Uh, maybe just what was the reaction, you know, for you know from the club, from the fans, from everybody there, uh, to getting to the BCL regular season? I I think it's a it's a club who, who wants to grow, who is growing uh, like a giant, and that was that was one of the the keys to for me to move here. Uh, that ambition that the club has is. Is very is great, and and yeah, for for them to play in, in Europe for the first time is is a big step for the city, and they want to they want to keep growing. We want to grow with, with them, and let's see what, how far we can go from in the in the league in in the in the BCL. But I think we were doing a great job, and and the and the fans are. Are very very happy with with our job. So so let's let's see how far we go, we can go. You mentioned it. You know, club goals this season. What are, what what are they? You know, both you know you know Champions League and and in the league. Obviously, the you know ACB is so difficult. Uh, what are the club's goals this season? Uh, we we have no no specific goals, but but for sure now. Uh, one of our goals in in the ACB is to to qualify for the for the Kings Cup. We are we are uh, we have one one game more to to see if we are in. Uh, we have to win and wait for for Bilbao lose against Barcelona. Uh, if we do it, we we will be able to play it, and it would be a, a great a great um, achievement for us. And then, for sure, is to qualify for the second round. Uh, we have we have done a great job since since now, since today. But we have four more games left. We will try to do our best to to be able to play it because for for the club and for the city, for sure, it, it would be a great a great achievement. Yeah, we've you know we talked about the great home crowd there. You know you've been to two final fours. Uh, what do you think about Burgos as a host uh, for the final four? If you guys can make it, that that would be that would be great. That would be something amazing uh, to to host a final four to and uh, to be able to play it again. I I played it when it was uh, in Tenerife. We talked it and and it was it was great. And and I've talked it with my with my teammates. Uh, for sure, is is something unbelievable and something that I think that we that we could do it if we if we do a good job. All right, last question. Uh, next week, you guys go on the road and you're at Portes. Uh, you know they're fighting for their lives to maybe stay in there uh, in the playoffs. Uh, what do you guys need to do to uh, come back from from France with a victory? 
Well, we when we played against them here at home, we we couldn't stop uh, Sandy De Jong. That 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 was for sure the, the key of the game. But but if we wanna if we want to to beat them at their home, uh, we have to to play 40 minutes focus uh, to be to be able to play with the aggressiveness that, that we that we used in. In the second half against Bandirma, and that's uh, that's the way play aggressive in defense, and then if we we can do that, we, we will be able to play our style in offense, running and and having fun. Having fun, that's it, what it's been. Uh, having a chat with you, Fernand Basas. Thank you very much for coming on the show uh, from uh, San, San Pablo's Burgos. Uh, good luck uh, the rest of the the rest of the season. Enjoy it, and, and good luck uh, getting into that uh, King's Cup. I'm sure that would be huge uh, for, for the club as well. Thank you very much. All right, thanks again to Ferran Basas for his time this week, and thanks to all of the fans, including Javi Bayron, who submitted some questions on Instagram for the interview. Uh, Dave Basas seems like a like a really cool guy. He's a fun player to watch, and and seems like he's uh, quite a character off the court as well. Uh, what what did you take away from that interview? Yeah, the you know the the what I what I enjoyed hearing most was was the the Juventus uh, Barcelona. Uh, rival rivalry, you know, uh, just you know they've done so much. Juventus done so much stuff at the youth level, and a lot of those, you know, some of those guys do go up to Barcelona. You know, not a lot, uh, but also because it's because it is such a rival rivalry, and it was kind of nice to to hear him talk about that, and um, and you know, just I can't imagine what it was like as a youngster in that system, you know, just two years younger than Ricky Rubio and watching him do all of his amazing things that he did. Um, you know, if, if you're not aware, and this is the last thing, if you're not, if you're not really aware of what Ricky Rubio did when he was young, go back and look at it because he was unbelievable. I mean, he was, he was, I, I, I'd probably, I'd say he was further along at the youth level than Doncic was, you know, I mean, he, you know, played the Olympics at 18 and, and against USA in the, in the final was there, uh, you know, and, and looked like he belonged, everything like that. I'm not saying he's better than Doncic, but at, if you look at the youth level, uh, uh, you know, under 16, you know, had a triple double in the final with 50 points, 20 rebounds. Uh, so, I mean, just go back and look at some of the, some of the amazing stuff rookie Ricky Rubio did it. And Basas had, had like this, this front row seat watching it all. So that must've been pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I loved, uh, hearing about just some of the, the Spanish point guard stories because it is, uh, you know, a country that has produced so many amazing mm-hmm. point guards going back to, the eighties and nineties and, you know, guys like Pablo Lasso, who's a great coach now at Real Madrid, who was a, a really good point guard back in his day. And then, you know, you've got the NBA guys like Calderon and Rubio and Sergio Rodriguez for a little while there. And, uh, yeah, just, it seems like every Spanish point guard just knows how the game should be played. And, and they're a lot of fun to watch. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun watching Bassas, both with Tenerife and now with Burgos. It was great having him on the show this week. So thanks again to him for his time. All right, Dave, let's take a look ahead to game day 11. Only four games left in the regular season, so they are all very important as teams fight for playoff positions. 
looking at Tuesday's schedule, what are you going to be watching? You know, to be honest, what are you not going to be watching? You know, you have, you have, yeah. uh, you know, Holon Strasburg, two teams at four and six, Leet Cabellus, four and f- four and six against Ostend, f- five and five, two, four and six teams in group D, uh, with Besiktas and Brindisi. And then you also have, I mean, I, I started stealing everything, but you know, Tenerife at nine and one, Nimbrook, uh, nine and t- uh, eight and two. So, I mean, you basically got everything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got Ike versus Bandirma in group B, which will be another interesting one to see how Ike can recover from their loss against Antwerp and Bandirma, just one game out of the playoffs right now. So if they can, if they can win that game, that would be huge for their playoff hopes. Looking ahead to Wednesday, I think Nizhny versus Peristeri is going to be fascinating because both of those teams are six and four. They're in third and fourth place, but Bomberg are right behind them at five and five. So the loser of that game might be in some trouble. That one's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Both those teams coming off losses and playing with some desperation. And in Group B, Anvil versus Jerusalem yes. should be a shootout. Two Fireworks, baby. <laughs> yeah, two great offensive teams. Uh, some amazing wing play in that game between Feldin, Roten, Lado. That's that's going to be awesome to watch. The uh, the scoreboard operator in Poland is going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, any, anything else from Wednesday's games that you're looking forward to, Dave? Yeah, and those fans will be jacked, you know, to an yeah. anvil, you know, to see coming, uh, Hapo Jerusalem come in. Uh, Turk Telecom Manresa, you know, battle for supremacy, probably supremacy in Group A, th- two seven and seven and seven and three teams, and then uh, Bonn hosting uh, Falco, you know, six and four for for Bonn. Uh, they lost, uh, they lost uh, last week to uh, Besiktas. Uh, to try to stay back uh, uh, among the leaders. So, yeah, like I said, what are you not watching? I mean, almost every game has huge playoff implications. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Falco making the playoffs as your bold prediction. What if they end up being like second in this group? That is entirely possible right now. If if Falco... Yeah, and and then... Yeah, I mean, what we said was, you know, I I came up and I said a couple weeks ago, you know, you could see any all of all four of the teams that do end up coming out of Group D not making it to the quarterfinals because you know you don't know about. I mean, okay, one thing though, they've they totally have been battle tested because every every point will have mattered. So, but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, no, it's all good. Yeah, it's it's just going to be fascinating to see how Group D plays out. Zaragoza host Neptunis. Uh, that's going to be another really important game for the playoff picture in Group D. So make sure you subscribe to LiveBasketball.tv to watch all of these games live or on demand. Dave, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, I don't envy the guys at the BCL who are uh, going to be in charge of the tiebreakers. Oh God, no! Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, get enjoy the week. En- enjoy the week. Yeah, enjoy the week. Have fun because, like we said, we we just we just named. I mean, almost every game uh, as 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 a huge game. So. Uh, yeah. And, and every point, you know, now with all these tie breaks, so every point is going to be battled, you know, embattled. So just enjoy it. Yeah. It's going to be some incredible action in game day 11 playoff atmospheres for sure. As these teams fight to stay alive in the basketball champions league, make sure you go to the official website, championsleague.basketball to stay up to date on all of the news and stats and analysis that you need to follow the champions league. 
Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BasketballCL and check out the official Champions League YouTube channel. Uh, the games are posted on there in full about a week after they are played. Some of them have been live on YouTube, depending on where you're watching. So go check that out. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks again to our guest, Ferran Bassas, the point guard from San Pablo Burgos. Thanks to all the fans who submitted questions for that interview on Instagram. For David Hein over in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast.